Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read a page of The Name of the Wind and its sequel book, The Wise Man's Fear, page by page. This is page 692. Last came my curiosity, the surest sign I was my own true self again. I never asked you how went your final workings with the shade, I said. Her face lit. It is done. I could see the pride in her eyes. She took my hand and pulled me to the edge of the pavilion. The iron was not an easy thing, but it is done. She started forward, then stopped herself. Can you find it? I took a long, careful look around. Even though she'd taught me what to look for, it was a long moment before I spotted a subtle depth in the darkness of a nearby tree. I reached out and drew my shade from the concealing shadows. Valerian skipped to my side, laughing as if I had just won a game. She caught me around the neck and kissed me with the wildness of a dozen children. She had never let me wear the shade before, and I marveled as she spread it over my naked shoulders. It was nearly weightless and softer than the richest velvet. It felt like wearing a warm breeze, the same breeze that had brushed me in the darkened forest glade where Felurian had taken me to gather the shadows. I thought of going to the forest pool to see how I looked in the water's reflection, but Felurian threw herself onto me. Bearing me to the ground, she landed astride me, my shade spread beneath us like a thick blanket. She gathered the edges of it around us, then kissed my chest, my neck. Her tongue was hot against my skin. This way, she said against my ear, whenever your shade wraps you, you will think of me. When it touches you, it will seem like my touch. She moved slowly against me, rubbing the length of her naked body along mine. Through all the other women, you will remember Felurian, and you will return. After that, I knew my time in the Fae was drawing to a close. The Cathay's words stuck in my mind like burrs, goading me out into the world. The fact that I had been within a stone's throw of the man who had killed my parents and not realized it left a bitter taste in my mouth that even Felurian's kisses could not erase. And what the Cathay had said of Denna kept playing over and over in my head. Eventually, I awoke and knew the time had come. I rose, put my travel sack in order, and dressed for the first time in ages. The feeling of clothes against my skin felt odd after all this time. How long had I been gone? I brushed my fingers through my beard and shrugged the thought away. Guessing was pointless when I would know the answer soon enough. That's the page. I'm here with my co-host, Jeremy. My name is Nick, and we have a very special guest today. She is a podcaster, an illustrator, a producer. Please welcome Jordana. Jordana, thank you so much for being here. It's a pleasure. Happy to be here. Yeah. First time on the show. Yeah, thanks. It's really great that you made time for us. We're really, really pleased. So Jordana, can you tell us what do you think about this page? Uh, you know, it's uh, having, of course, never been on this show before. I, I don't, I don't know quite what to think of the background of such a thing. But uh, you know, it's a great book, and uh, I'm really, I'm really enjoying the uh, the descriptions of this cool shade thing. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do this bit. I can't. I'm sorry. Well, Jordana, that's a great kickoff. Thanks for that, Jeremy. Do you want to take it away? Uh, sure. I, I do want to take it away. Uh, um, you know what? You actually caught me at a bad time. Cause like, I don't, I'm like head empty. No thoughts about this page. Okay. I have thoughts. I just, I couldn't do it pretending that I hadn't, that it was my first time on the show. <laughs> That's great. Jordana. I love to see that energy from a guest. Come on and tell us what you think. <laughs> Let me compose myself. <laughs> um, I like that. Like she's so, it's funny because Valerian's really attached in a way that I feel like her, for lack of a better word, victims 
would theoretically have been attached to her before, it almost feels like the tables are turned here. Like she's like, you're gonna you're gonna go out into the world, but you're gonna think about me because we're rubbing up on each other all over this magical doodad. And it's gonna break my heart when you leave. Yeah, and way. like it it really feels that like the the tables have turned on Florian. Like whereas before she was in control, it feels like now she's not really. She's she's less in control than she usually is. You yeah, know, I, I I don't think I'm thinking of it in the exact same like zero sum kind of terms but i do think that quoth means more to her than any mortal lover she has had in a very long time and the unpleasant converse of that is that quoth means more to her than he than she means to quoth yeah which is not something that quoth thinks about here and this is kind of something that he carries with him throughout the book and something that i'm going to be keeping an eye on in that he does tend to treat his uh sexual partners as uh, and, you know, not necessarily wrongly, but his sexual partners are casual and, for lack of a better word, disposable throughout the remainder well, of the book. That said, if we think about Florian's kind of what we know about Florian's character so far in that she's kind of a primal character and she's very much a live in the moment kind of creature, it makes sense that in this moment he might mean more to her than she means to him. But it's also, having had the long existence that she's had, maybe he's just the flavor of the month? It could be. We don't know yet how Florian does react. I think Quoth, this is another reason I think Quoth has to return to the Fae, or at least the Fae has to come back in some form. Sidebar, I do think that the Fae is overlaid with the with the mortal world in the frame narrative, and that's why the Skrail are around, but we'll get back to that. I think that this is one of the reasons that Quoth has to go back because this has to pay off. We have to see how Florian reacts if he's able to go back and fulfill his vow. Yeah, and we will find out more on the next page how Quoth feels about leaving her, which I think might color our thinking a little differently. Could do. There's a neat bit of, if I'm going to, I know we, we criticized this turn of phrase uh, recently, but there's a little bit of fun show, don't tell on this page, where we, the reader, are gifted to uh we're given a sort of primer in how the shade hides what it means to be in shaden what it kind of looks like and how it blends into the background when valerian says can you find it which is i think a pretty neat bit of writing that instead of just handing it over and you know saying oh i'll be hidden when i wear it we get a bit of a moment of like it's a it's subtle good. depth in in a darkness so it's not just like it's invisible but it's something that is hard to notice yeah it it, it's definitely good when you have a character get kind of like a special item to demonstrate how it is special rather than just say, oh, here's a thing and it can do that. If you can, that's an instance where if you can give us that information by the characters using the item or doing something with it, it's more interesting and it's more effective. Yeah, this is something that D&D has not solved yet to my satisfaction, at least mechanically which is communicating the big stat block of a magical item, especially like an artifact that you get because they're pretty mechanically complex and it's no fun to just cast identify and then hand over a card with all the information on it. It's much more fun to have to puzzle it out, but that takes an awful lot of, of role-playing and IRL time, not to mention game time. Yeah. That, and like, I think that used to be how things worked back in the day. Like if you got a magic item, like part of the fun was just like trying to figure out what it did or how it worked. 
And I, I that's something of like old school D&D that I think that if I ran a, a high fantasy game again, I might try to bring back. Because like the other thing about D&D magic items is that they don't actually feel all that special. It's just like, oh, it gives me a plus five to attack and it lets me cast this spell three times. Like, well, none of that actually feels like unique or interesting. Whereas like a fruit that has several nested fruits inside it is magical and weird and interesting. So that's something that like a game games that are less uh, stat block focused, uh, I think sometimes handle magic items like that better. Yeah. Not to turn this into a D and D podcast, but I always like to give wondrous items, the like miscellaneous wondrous items over just the hard stat plus two sword and things like that. For that reason, I think it encourages role-playing and, Puzzle solving when the and, items you have are like immovable rod. Yeah. You can't endless water. Yeah. And, well, because they force the players to get creative. Like, how does it work? Like, what, what can I do with it? I feel like we get sort of, when we're talking about the shade, we get sort of an interesting description in that it is both light and heavy all at once. Like, it's it's light like a breeze, but it's it's heavy and soft when they lie on it. Yeah, I get the sense that it would keep him warm in the cold as well. And I think it's fun that Quoth goes, oh, it reminds me of the warm breeze, the same breeze that brushed me in the darkened forest glade. And I'm like, my dude, it's made of the breeze. That's why you <laughs> went there. <laughs> hmm, that's an interesting idea. Or like, that's part of it, you know? Maybe it's not literally made of the breeze, but like the breeze has suffused it. It's not just that it reminds him of it. It's that that's like- it's That it a, is it. A fundamental part of it, yes. We also, we get some sense of just how long Quoth has been in- the fake is when he's packing up to to leave, he brushes his fingers through his beard, and he hasn't up until this point mentioned having a beard. So the fact that he has one tells us that he's been in the fake for quite a while. Yeah, it's we funny don't that know like, hasn't... how big the beard is. It feels like a full beard to me. It's it's and... definitely like think of, when I think back to being a teenager, when my facial hair started to come in, it took a while for it to come in in a way that was full as opposed to patchy. So the fact that he has a beard that he can run his fingers through tells me that he's been letting it grow long enough that it's like, it's like Prince Harry's beard. It's like at least that length. This is I love that you of... picked a ginger. Yeah, it's the, the first <laughs> ginger with a beard that came to mind. This is another moment to me of Quoth leveling up. This is another moment when I read the book that my visual understanding of him changes from being like, an older teenager to a, a man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also like, just like kind of funny to picture. I, I always picture Quoth as like smooth face. So it is jarring to picture him as having a beard and it does make him feel a little older, a little wilder, a little more hard bitten. Yeah. And I think that is intentional. The jarring, like I definitely also feel jarred when he says he has a beard. Cause he hasn't been saying like my beard came in. He mentioned shaving once or twice. And then he mentions how Florian doesn't like him when he shaves. So obviously it follows, even though it, do- it didn't bear mentioning that he hasn't been shaving for a while. Yes. But I think the jarring is intentional because we're supposed to go, oh my God, how much time have you been there? Because obviously Kvothe hasn't been tracking time in the real world. It's only been a night or so, right? Um, but it definitely stands as a juxtaposition to like a fair amount of time has passed. He has shaved at least once and then grown a full beard. Um, so he's been there quite some time. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Uh, do we have any other notes we want to share on this one? I'm all right, uh, Jordana. Do you have any notes? I'm all good. Yes. Well, we have another letter, Jordana. You may not know, Alex. I know you don't listen to podcasts, but on this 
very podcast. We occasionally read letters from listeners, and we are in the middle of a letter from a listener named Arthur, who writes, Treatment of musical instrument. As a lover of classical music and somebody who spends many hours with musicians talking, composing, and playing, the scene where Quoth opens his loot case to basically give it some sun, and Ambrose steals it, is incredibly frustrating, as this is the exact opposite of the way most musical instruments should be treated. Consistent temperature, humidity, and limited exposure. Worse, Quoth goes on a spiel about how, as a musician who loves his lute, he knows the best way to treat his instruments. The fact that he is dead wrong here calls into question all the charming little times Quoth does this type of explaining, which I otherwise love. We've talked about how Rothfuss is very good at coming up with stuff that sounds like an expert uh, is saying it, but then if you are an expert in it, you go, "Mm, I don't know if that's totally true. Uh, And this might be one of those times. It also strikes me as... You know, he's at a Moreau. They have a different uh, process. They actually like when they're when their instruments get seasoned. Yeah, get warped by the sun and they they retune things. But again, a wizard did it. Yeah, Arthur, this is a case where knowing something about a thing is is uh, just hampering your enjoyment of the thing, uh, which leads into the larger lesson of this podcast: uh, ignorance is bliss. Don't know stuff. Yeah, you should know nothing. Knowing things is just uh, suffering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, uh, yesterday we neglected to mention uh, that you would probably really enjoy um, the musical project uh, Chipmunks 16 RPM, where someone took the Alvin and the Chipmunks uh, records and like slowed them down to like half their normal speed. Uh, so strongly endorse listening to that. And then if you want, speed it up two times and you'll be back to where you started. Yeah, but hang on. You have to explain why it's good. It's good because it turns into like a really interesting doom sludge metal song. Yeah. Uh, and the, the once sped up, chipmunk voices have this really like mournful quality because they sound like they're being sung by a human being, a human voice, but because of the, the long echoing instrumentation, it sounds like, like a doom metal band and it's like contemporary or you know, once contemporary pop songs that are tuned to a doom minor key. Yeah. Uh, it's really great. It's like genuinely a great album that I listen to unironically. Absolutely. Agreed. Well, I think we're just about at the end of the episode, so I really want to say thank you to Jordana for coming out and sitting in with us and being a part Good of this. Pleasure. Do you have anything you'd like to plug? Uh, you know, there's this great podcast I've been listening to that I'd love oh, to plug. Can you tell us about it? It's this one. I can't. I'm so bad at this. I'm so sorry. Uh, the recursion is dooming us. Uh, <laughs> listeners, we will recur for you on tomorrow's I'm, page. Get, um, the wind! The wind! <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha